0: Morning, everyone. I'm just going to make some alterations here, so I can see what's in front of me. I'm John, and Paul is my surname. For those of you who don't know me, uh, but I'll accept John Paul too. Um, I'm uh, well. I'm from Northern Ireland originally, as you'll guess, and um, I've been a Christian. I was counting this morning for 57 years. Um, which is quite amazing. It's 57 years in a month's time or so. And uh, I went to a Presbyterian church in Northern Ireland, uh, but Sunday made up going to church. You went to Sunday school first, then you went to church afterwards, uh, and that finished about about one o'clock. And then sometimes in the summer, there was an afternoon Sunday school in the village about three miles away I used to cycle out to. Then in the evening, there was an evening service, which was either with the other Presbyterian church in the village, or it was with the Covenanters Church, who didn't use any musical instruments, just a little man at the back with a, a pipe that he blew that gave us a starting note to sing Psalms and nothing else. And I loved it. And then after that, if we were really keen, uh, there was a service in the local Orangeman's Hall, which was called the Christian Workers' Union. And uh, that was really good because they sang songs out of a songbook from the 1859 revival. So there's some great singing going on. That was my Sunday. It was church, and it was people, and it was just great. And uh, it's great to be here. I was minister, uh, pastor for 37 years uh, in the west of the city. And and I often wonder why I stayed there so long, because in, in, the, in the church I was in, it was customary after two or three years in ministry, you'd move on to, some, to a bigger church or to a different ministry. But I stayed, and I realized, thinking back, it was simply the community of love that I experienced there. When I went through tough times, they just said, take a month off, John. We look after the church. So that's church, and um, it's great to be here this morning where we're in the middle of a series Um, on abundant life and David began that series by encouraging us to look up to fix our eyes on Jesus and and that's what it's all about and Mike prayed that just that fantastic prayer there at the beginning it's just on Jesus and the glory of his glory and then last week um, David encouraged us and it really challenged me to look in and reflect on whether We are living abundantly in our emotional, our physical, and our spiritual life. And uh, that's so important. I've been, a few weeks ago I was reading in 2 Corinthians 3, 18 where it says, um, we with unveiled faces are being changed from one degree of glory to another. And this comes from the Lord, which is the spirit. And I was thinking about that in my life and I'm remembering all the things, all the ways God has changed my life. And um, as I, I wrote it all down in my journal and um, then a few days later I was meeting with a couple of friends and we were having, having breakfast together and uh, I said to them, I said, how has God changed you in the last two years? And there was silence. <laughs> um, and then one of them said, "Well, you know, often God changes us without us really knowing that it's going on. Uh, well, that's a bit of a cop out." I said, "Yeah, but you must know some ways that you've changed." Well, they changed the subject at that point. And I don't want you to change the subject this morning about where you are with God and about the life that you're living. Is it abundant life? Um, has God been changing you? Has COVID and all the restrictions we've experienced, and has that affected your life in Christ? Are you living a more abundant life today? I want to encourage you to look around to reflect on our community life and how it is vital in helping us to enjoy a more abundant life. We should never be content. I'm never content as a Christian. I want to get closer and closer to Jesus, and uh, and that should always be at the back of my mind. I, I need more. I long for more. I want more. So I want to encourage you in that. There is such great potential in Christian community. In a Sunday morning service when we gather together, in life groups that uh, <clears throat> that um, Nicola mentioned earlier, and in Christian friendship and spiritual companions and in other, you know, Christian community is for your abundant life in Jesus to be enriched. That's the place where it happens. And in the Bible, there are... Two words that spoke to me uh, of the Christian community. One is the word church, it's from ecclesiastes, the Greek word we get ecclesiastical, ecclesiastical stuff from it, um, and it refers to a gathering, or I mean it's a people called out literally, but called together. We're called out of the world to be a people together in Christ. In Ireland, where I was brought up, we used to talk about um, going to meeting not going to church but going to meeting that's a lovely expression we're going to meet one another and meet the Lord together Um, and uh, that's what it's about so Acts chapter 2 42 we're going to read from it Uh, it'll be on the screen there this is the early church they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The message translation at the end says, um, every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. That to me sounds, the whole Really sounds like abundant life. They're sharing their whole lives together and enjoying God together. Um, it's all about relationship with God and with each other. That's community. And the second word is the word, uh, the Greek word is koinonia, which you probably all have heard of. It's about fellowship. And uh, we read that in, John, in 1 John chapter 1. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with Father And with his son, Jesus Christ. And um, you see, John uses that word koinonia as what connects us to God and to each other through Christ. Nicola mentioned that word connects earlier. It's such a key word. Um, We're connected to God and to each other through Christ. Um, We often say it's the thought that counts. But Jesus into just another saying, really. It's the connection that counts. It's your connections together and with Jesus that counts. Those are the important things. I'm always amazed when I read about or see on television those huge uh, redwood trees in California. Maybe we have a picture of one of those. Um, this is my plant bit following on from David's lesson last week. Those of you remember that. And I have a horticultural family background. My grandfather and my, and my father, indeed, was a, a great were gardeners, but my grandfather uh, patented a blight-resistant potato plant. He developed it and it was called Paul's Crimson Glory um, because he, his name was there and he wanted it for the glory of God. And uh, it was one of those red potatoes. Anyway, it was a disaster because it didn't like rain, which is not very good in Ireland. Anyway, <laughs> that's enough of that. Um, the redwoods um, are the largest living things and the tallest trees in the world. They grow to 300 feet or more some of them and some of them are over two and a half thousand years old and it's amazing how they don't get blown down because they have a very shallow root system they don't have deep tap roots that other trees have the roots however are intertwined with each other they are tied into each other interlocked so when it's stormy the redwoods stand they don't get blown down With an interlocking root system, they support and sustain each other. They need one another to stay stable so that they can grow up so high. And it's the connection that counts. It's the connection that counts. And it's so in our lives. Our connection with God and one another is critical for growth and stability. And that's where community comes in, as I said, Sunday worship, life groups, personal friendships, spiritual companions, all the ways that we relate to each other are part of that sustaining and enabling growth to take place, to enhance uh, life-enhancing fellowship, real fellowship that takes us beyond just socializing or even studying together, but into genuinely loving and serving each other so that we grow in our love. For Jesus you were created in the image of God and two things flow out of that the first is God is Trinity he is God Father Son and Holy Spirit the Trinity is a revelation of the very character of God it reveals the truth that our God is not just a unit but he is a union he's not just a unity he's a community he is tri-unity, three equal persons dwelling and working together in harmony with mutual love flowing to each other. I mean, it's not the result of theologians' reasoning or the bright ideas of church leaders. It comes straight from the heart of God and the life of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I think it's amazing that our God wants to share the method, the benefit, the joys that are there right at the heart of, our, of the Trinity. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God wants to share that kind of relationship with you and me. Isn't that amazing? And you know, it's, well, you know, right from the beginning, Adam and Eve. God gave Eve to Adam so that Adam wouldn't be a unit but would be a unity. With Eve, he gave him a wife. You know the story about how you know the day about a frog who. And I don't. This isn't. You're not to do it this way. But the frog was very lonely, so um, he phoned up a. It was a fortune telling helpline. And uh, he asked, he said, have you got any hope for me? I'm very lonely, I'm all on my own. And the, the lady at the other end said, um, oh yes, she says, um, you're going to meet a very beautiful lady and she's going to be really interested to know all about you. So he was thrilled, he thought, that's really great, he said, that's brilliant. He says, is that going to be at a party I meet her? And she said, no, it'll be in a biology class. Think about that. <laughs> um, anyway, that's... It's impossible to love, it's impossible for love to exist without community of at least two. Christian individualism is a contradiction to all that it means to be in Christ. One person cannot have fellowship alone, he must share his life, or he or she must share their lives together with others to experience it. In fact, individualism is the adversary of the church it's the false belief of the person who says i don't need you i have the bible and jesus what more could i need or today we might say i have facebook and youtube what more do i need thus each individual becomes his own church not church we need each other Um, I think we've been you know, Mike prayed for me earlier and I've been so blessed, I think it's a church we've been so blessed by Mike and, and Joe coming and joining with us. And I was thinking, you know, Mike did where where is he now? Oh he's there, yes. Um, I'm going to embarrass him now. He did an amazing job before Christmas of organizing the purchase and the putting together of all the materials for Christingle packs to go out to, I don't know, many schools, over 27 schools or something. And the making of all the Christingles for the uh, Christingles in the park outreach. Just imagine what would have happened if he'd said, I can do this by myself. I can see the horror on his face right now as he say that. Those who, see, those who came along to put those packs together had a beautiful community experience. Someone said, this is what church is all about. Eating pizza, working together, chatting, sharing faith together, helping each other. I was at a group, with a, uh, a table with a group. We were counting cocktail sticks out in 150s or something like that. It was really exciting stuff. And we were chatting together. And then a little girl came along and uh, sat down beside me, someone whose life's not been easy for recently. And she sat beside me, offered to help, and so she was counting out the cocktail sticks. When we had finished, she just leaned her head over and rested on my shoulder just for a couple of seconds. I put my hand around her and just gave her a little hug. And, well, it was just one of the best moments in my life uh, at this church because there was community. And she was just in need of a hug. That's community. And, And, yeah, I'll never forget that. It was very special. A special moment of the blessing of being in community something of the life of the trinity of god heavenly a little moment of heaven god is trinity community church is community working out god's purposes together god is trinity secondly god is love what is love well if you asked a a group of four, four to eight year olds eight year olds were asked what does love mean one said, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore, so my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. I know another one, a four-year-old, said, I know my older sister loves me because she gives me all her old clothes and has to go out and get new ones. <laughs> Love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on aftershave and they go out and smell each other. <laughs> uh, love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your French fries without making them give you any of theirs. Another one, a six-year-old said, if you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend you hate. <laughs> There's so much truth in that. Children are very perceptive. They know what real love is. And, and, you know, as I said, I experienced love in the church I served for 37 years in so many ways that was very special. What is love? Well, it's it's mostly not what you learn from the media, media, from films or songs or television shows and so on. You find there that love is defined culturally as a, an intensity of desire and longing, the songs that say, "I need you, I want you, I must have you." You see, our culture over time has chipped away at love so much that it's now designed well, it's now defined as the opposite of its original meaning. Without our noticing, the meaning of love has been replaced by a definition of lust. Love is primar- Lust is primarily self-centered, self-driven, and pleasure-seeking. The Bible defines love differently. 1 John 4, let me read from 1 John 4, verses 7 to 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love not I'm sorry. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we live if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. Adam and Eve messed up. Messed up the beginnings of the community that God created and planned. But you know, I was reading Ephesians 5, it says there that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ gave himself for the church. He died on the cross for the church he died on the cross for you and me so that the mess we've made of life and of community because all of our sin gets in the way of relationship and community and jesus died and took that all upon himself he is passionate about community and about a community of love you know john who wrote that passage was the john of james and john who were called the sons of thunder They were the, I don't know, noisy, violent types probably. And when a village refused hospitality to Jesus, James and John asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire and destroy this village? Call down fire from heaven and destroy them. That was John. Not a lot of love then. But then he had encountered Jesus, three years with Jesus and his disciples, and then years, I don't know how many years, in the church in Ephesus. Being transformed by God into this old man uh, living in exile, always writing and talking about love. In fact, some of his disciples came to him one day and said, why do you talk about love all the time if you don't get anything else to talk about? And he said, that's all what it's about. Love. Love. Greater love is no one than this, than a man or that one lays down one's life. For one's friends God's purpose for your life and mine is to become like Jesus and to love like Jesus Jesus said that the greatest commandment was to love God and love each other Jesus love expects and anticipates sacrifice that may sound threatening or too difficult but isn't sacrificial love and not temporary lust the kind of love that we want from others? You want to be loved by someone who'd be willing to sacrifice for you. We want people to love us through the bad times as well as the good times. Year after year, we want to know we are loved and will be loved. This is a command. It's a choice we make. Self sacrifice is never convenient. It's always more of a hassle to meet someone's needs than to ignore them. Jesus didn't ignore the needs of others. Wherever he met a person in need, he responded with love, often a compassionate love that resulted in miraculous healing. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, he emphasized that we must not ignore the needs of others, but rather sacrifice our time, our energy, our money to help them, to help each other. You may wake up tired on a Sunday morning. Often when I was a pastor, I woke up tired on a Sunday morning and thought, oh, I'd just love to skip church this morning and lie in bed for another hour or two. Well, I couldn't. But often you may wake up on a Sunday morning and think, I'll just stay a few more hours in bed and then have a restful morning at home. That's like a mother saying, I'll just lock myself in my bedroom this morning. My two toddlers can look after themselves today. That's neglect. That's neglect. Sacrificial love says, My family needs me. One Peter two seventeen the message says, Love your spiritual family. Love them. Do you love your spiritual family? Maybe you think, I won't be missed if I stay at home. But that's wrong thinking. You may miss an opportunity to love one of the family. Or you may mean that they miss an opportunity of loving you. And you miss out on that too. How much do you love your church family? Does your love reflect the character of God? How much do you love one another as Jesus loves you? A good exercise might be to look up all the one another sayings in the New Testament and then begin to apply them to your life. Um, I can, we can put them up. There's, I'm not going to read them. There's 90, I've, over 90 I've actually of one another sayings in the New Testament. Uh, but it might be a good study for your life group. Keep you going for a year or two. Um, but there they are. I mean, the important ones are things like love one another, encourage one another, forgive one another because conflict happens in church and if you start a new life group uh, coming up in the, in the beginning of february probably within six weeks if you're going well there should be conflict and conflict is good because conflict allows you to exercise forgiveness and love and you grow god uses conflict So there's all those things there's also three verses that say to kiss one another The people who put this together didn't mention it as a holy kiss. (laughs) They just said, kiss one another. But the three verses in the Bible do say a holy kiss. Um, I'll leave the thing about that. But there's so much to love, and it's all about one another. I was always impressed when I went to hear John Wimber at his conferences. He was the founder of the Vineyard Movement. Not just by his teaching and about healing and power of and so on, but by his love, it just flowed and flowed out of him, even as he spoke. And um, then, you know, and I was sure that that was the source and the motivation of all that he did. And then, about ten years ago, I was at a conference, and um, the speaker was uh, Wayne Grudem, who um, was a really good speaker. But I knew that he had been at John Wimber's church. And one morning I was sitting at the breakfast table in the conference center and he came over and sat down beside me. And I said something, I don't know what I said now, I can't remember about John Wimber, but he burst into tears. And he said, John Wimber stayed with us. He was my friend. I loved him. And, and because John Wimber loved him. Love and you will be loved. Love and and you will make friends. Love and lives will be changed. Wayne Grudem's life was changed because of John Wimber's love for him. And he wrote a great book on prophecy and he's written a great theology uh, volume as well and other books that have served the church. You have the potential to love as Jesus loved. Romans 5.5 says, Hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Isn't that just great? You think, oh, I can't love anymore. I've done enough of it. Look, there's the resources of love for you and I are endless. They are endless. God calls us to love. God enables us to love and God gives us opportunity to love in his, through his church and by placing us there and he pours love into our hearts by his Holy Spirit. More than anything, that's what we need today, isn't it? And you know, we need, what I want to say to you is choose love. Claim this promise. Start drawing on God's resource. Choose to love and God will be right there for you and you will see lives changed including your own in a loving community people move from only having their needs met to also being able to meet the needs of others as believers um, well as believers mature and begin fulfilling their god-given purpose, the ability of the church to meet others Needs expands and healthy growth results. And I talk a whole lot about how um, love is observed and noticed by the community out there, and we need to love one another so that they can see that we are His disciples. By this, shall you know that all of my disciples, if you have loved one for another. The most exciting result of a loving community will be Christians who are reaching their full potential in Christ. That's the most exciting result of a loving community Christians who are reaching their full potential in Christ. Are you up for that? I'm going to end just by mentioning a few things, and there's two areas in particular I think feel God has uh, impressed upon me. Firstly, I want to encourage you to join a life group. It's already been said, but we had a great life group meeting last last week, um, and uh, just such love and friendship there and challenge as we took David's uh, words from last Sunday and began to apply them to our lives. And was in a group of four men just sharing openly and honestly and praying together. It was very special. It was very special. And we have this WhatsApp prayer group, WhatsApp group where we can just share needs with each other and pray for each other. Life group is so good. And I can't wait till life group's meeting face to face again because that's the thing I think we've all missed most. And to be together in a room, face to face, able to talk to the person beside you for a while and talk with others and share, it's just wonderful. So I encourage you, you will meet with God in life group and your life will be changed. Um, some of the other things, some of you here, someone may be thinking, what kind of person do I have to be to be a good friend? Well, be the person you would like a friend to be to you. It's as simple as that. What kind of friend would you like to have? Write down what the characteristics would be and aim to become like that. Can I say, be brave and take a risk when you're talking to someone over coffee after the service on a Sunday morning and you think, this is a really nice person. Why not say, I'd love to have a coffee with you this week or one day. And I think you will be surprised at the number of people who will say yes. Yes. Because most of us want friends, most of us want to be loved, some of us are lonely. There are lonely people in churches, there are lonely people in this church. We must love. So be brave, take a risk, you might meet a wonderful friend. And when you're chatting over coffee, get beyond the social chit-chat, listen for God's promp- God prompts, God's prompts. You know, the one memorable coffee time I've had in the last six months was one Sunday morning after the service, I was talking to Adam. I think I saw him here this morning. Yeah, he's down there. And uh, Adam chatted with me a bit. uh, And I forget how it got around, but he said, you're preaching tonight. And I said, yes. And told him the struggle was having getting a sermon put together. And he said, I'd really like to pray with you. And he prayed with me. And I tell you, it made a difference. I went home that afternoon And God just put the thoughts in together for that sermon that came together. And I just, I've never forgotten that moment. When you do that, when you pray for someone, you create a moment in heaven. Because God's at work. And and yeah, it's just good. And you'll get blessing from it. Let me say something about busyness and friendship. It's, we have to, I'm guilty of it. You know, how are you? Well, I've been really, had a busy week. Your life's a bit hectic at the moment or whatever. We say all those things. And when I say to someone who's, I'm just getting to know, I'm really busy. I've got heck, a lot to do this week. I've got a sermon to prepare. I've got this. What they hear is, he's too busy to spend time with me. That's what, how they will read that. So if you're busy, keep it to yourself. Or try and find a way around the busyness and look at how you're living your life and all the other things. But to talk about our busyness all the time can be a friendship killer. Have you got time to listen? I was walking in Wheatstade Park and a man walked past me. I said hello and he said, oh, um, You all right? All right, as they say, and, you, and then walked on. We say that to people, Are you all right? And off we go. How are you today? Good. Have we listened? Will you investigate when they say, I'm fine? And the last the one I love most is eating together. (laughs) Eating together is a great opportunity to grow in community and have love. I'm looking forward to it when things relax a bit more and we get over this pandemic that we can eat together more. Remember those great lunches we had after church? So those are some of the things I want to leave with you. But there's two areas in particular. Some of you are thinking they won't want me in their group, in their life group. And, you know, there are sometimes walls that can separate us. Walls of race or gender or religious tradition or education or position or age or ability. But, you know, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Jesus has broken down every wall that separates. Every wall. There's nothing to divide us. There's Christ to hold us together, to interlock us together. So don't believe that lie. I'd like to pray for you. Perhaps the worship group will come up. I'd like to pray for you. And secondly, some of you are afraid of friendship and love. You have experienced disappointment and been hurt in previous friendships or relationships or even small life group. And you don't want to risk that again. And you may just need to forgive those people if you haven't already done so and be set free. And then take that risk. Find a friend. Join a group. It will be worthwhile you will grow into a more abundant life. Let me pray for you. Actually, uh, yeah, I'm going to pray for you. Father God, we just thank you for the wonderful love that pours out from, from Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you that you're a father who loves us with an unbelievable love. Jesus, we thank you for your reckless love that we sing about. Reckless and chasing after us. And thank you that you pour love into our hearts. And I pray, I just want to pray now, Father, for those who are afraid of friendship and love. Who've experienced disappointment. Who've experienced being let down by friends or groups Father give them grace to forgive right now just yeah I just encourage you just right now to ask God to forgive those who have hurt you you might need to ask him to forgive you for the anger that you have felt towards them for your unforgiveness Bring that to God. Bring it to the cross. Oh Lord Jesus, I just pray. Holy Spirit, would you just break that hold. Bring that hold. into their hearts receive his love now receive his healing and Lord I pray for those who are thinking that they won't be wanted in a group oh Lord just pour your love into their hearts now Help them to see themselves as you see them. Help them to open up. Lord, help them to open up their lives to receive love from others. Yeah. Yes, Father. Holy Spirit, come and minister. Come, Holy Spirit. love out this morning as we just wait before you, pour your love out. May we become more and more a community interlocked with the very love of God.